Welcome to MGO Podcast 14.21. Our deepest condolences go out to the Michigan State community in the aftermath of the horrible tragedy that happened there. Uh, And we're not trying to be funny at this point. Hello, this is the MGO Blog Podcast. That's a new opening. What? Hello. hello. Is, is we, we entering a room? Say hello? No. But Why are you giving for our me, podcast. I said hello, and I'm being beset. Beset. By disagreement. How can you disagree with hello? Disagreement. I don't know that it was disagreement. I, I think I was taken aback. Taken aback? By me saying hello? To the viewers. To the listeners. I don't know. It's a very visual podcast, might, but it's not that visual. We might have a camera somewhere. All right. Seth's not here today because he's got a baby wrangle or something. I forget. A baby wrangle. I think he's going skiing. Oh, well, that's oh, that's cool. <laughs> hey, Seth, can we come? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I was skiing. Well, no, I am here saying hello to you, our podcast listeners. Michigan. Uh, do, you def- want, do you want to say hello to our sponsors? Too? <laughs> no, but I will. You should. I think that would be pay good. Us. Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. Check them out at ugpmichiganapparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the mgoblogstore.com. Let's not forget our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Homeshore Lending, Ticket IQ, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grant, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by Forum, where we are currently, and the Sklar Brothers. All right, guys. So Michigan, I wouldn't say they beat the allegations, but... There was a close game That's down the stretch. Scary thing to say. <laughs> it was a close game down the stretch, and Michigan did not blow it against Michigan State. Oh, and I was so ready for them to, weren't you? Yeah. Well, I was like, why am I watching this? Why am I watching this? It's just going to happen again. It's why the same am I show. This? They end the same way. I watched the first epi- episode of Chernobyl, and I was like, well, this was slightly more harrowing than the Wisconsin game. <laughs> it's pretty harrowing. It's awful. Okay. Because it's just like, oh, these people are all going to die. And they're just wandering around a nuclear plant that has exploded. And they're like, they don't know what's going on. Anyway, enough about Michigan's ball screen defense. But it- <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, I assume it was not better last night. No, I mean, I was very frustrated for much of the game because Michigan State was able to hedge and recover. And Michigan was not able to do that. So is this a structure thing or is this an individual player thing? I think some of both. Because, you know, Hunter Dickinson isn't the most fleet of foot. But also Michigan just does not rotate under the bucket. You mean from like help side? Yeah. Okay. So that the the stupid charge that you sometimes get where you short roll and then there's a guy who's outside of the circle barely. Yeah. And just sitting there waiting for you to. Right. Yeah. So, to me, those should be no calls, but whatever. So, that would be an example of good help side. Right. And Michigan just wasn't doing that. This doesn't do that. But they haven't really, for the most part, all year. No. And so, I mean, there's a series of, like, missed bunnies for Michigan State that you're like, oh, got away with that. Oh, got away with that. Oh, got away with that. And then there were a bunch that they didn't actually get away with. So, games close, despite Michigan playing fairly well. You know, Dickinson is being neutralized by the doubles for the most part. And then the second half, you see a couple of different 
ways to get Dick into the bucket that don't require him to just post up on the block. Mm -hmm. So Kobe's able to drive, draw some attention and dish, and then Dickinson gets an easy bucket. And that's kind of the thing that we haven't really been seeing very much this year. And we keep tracing that back to a freshman point guard. And freshman point guard in this game, Doug McDaniel. Seemed to be all right. Ken Palm MVP. Ken Palm MVP. Okay. He starts off, uh, I think, with Michigan's first seven points. And he's up to 11 by like halfway through the first half. And then he does something you don't really expect. He's like, all right, I'll let it come to me. So he finishes this game with 17% usage. And he's blazing hot. Like he hits so, a so three. So is he shooting or is he like getting in the basket? How is this going down? Well, you know, he gets uh, set up for a catch and shoot three early. But he also had a couple of pull-ups. That are kind of like, yes, 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 no. I mean, no, 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 yes shots at this point in his career. But he's all right as a shooter. Uh, he hits a, a, a tough floater. And I think the key part of that is it was late in the shot clock. Like, he's not mm -hmm. just like, okay, I'm going to get mine with 15 seconds left on the shot clock. It's like, no, it's under 10. So if you can find a shot that's a decent shot, you take it. And he happens to hit it. He's 5 of 7 from 2. Hits a three, goes to the line six times, hits five of the six, and has four assists and no turnovers. I mean... And he barely leaves the floor. It's hard to come up with like a better game for a point guard than that, unless you're like Jason Kidd or something. Yeah, and, and McDaniel, uh, in the second half, you can kind of see some flashes of him being a uh, disruptive perimeter defender. So he picks up a steal for a pick six in the first half. That's part of his early flurry. And in the second half, you know, he's fighting over screens. He's staying in front of the point guard, even when it's Tyson Walker, who's a lot faster than, than Hogard. Mm -hmm. And he's just, you know, hinting. And this was something that Frankie was actually doing last year, too, like towards the end of the year. It's like, yeah, yeah he's really staying in front of guys and disrupting people defensively. And Doug's not consistent with it, but with his quicks, you can see him getting there. Well, and it's not an athletic thing for him, right? Like, he is athletic enough to probably do that. It's yeah, he's just super, I mean, for him it's size. maturing and getting yeah, but like, like learning it. He's people are always going to be able to shoot over him, mm -hmm. but if you're able to contain the initial penetration on a pick and roll without going under, that really helps. I mean, Simpson could do that. Yeah. I mean, so it's not like someone who's smaller cannot no, I mean, it's be, being smaller actually helps in that regard because you're usually quicker mm -hmm. if you're on a basketball court. Yeah. Now, he's always going to have that Eli Brooks problem where, you know, people are going to pull up over him or back him down the post. But, you know, whatever. He's who he is. And maximizing who he is, I think, means that he's going to be a little bit stickier defensively. He also won't be going to the NBA next year. <laughs> yes, and hopefully he won't be going to Arizona State. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let's keep him on campus. Yeah. Because uh, he's got looks like a long and fruitful career in front of him. And this is his best game in Michigan by far. And as I mentioned, a large part of that was the maturity to be like, yeah, I'm five of seven from two. I'm just going to let let the game come to me. I'm not going to force anything. And that's uh, pretty remarkable, especially because, you know, Jet Howard's not having a good game. You're kind of in a tight one. Was nope. he taking like janky shots or no, no. Was he just couldn't hit? Who? Jet. Oh, Jet, yeah. Just, just, Jet just had, like, you know, an off game. Like, he was 1 of 7 from 3. Yeah. And I mean, that was sort of like Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, he makes all – he takes two twos. He makes it. He makes all his free throws. So it's just like sometimes you don't make threes, and that was, that was his night. Sure. 
But then the other story of this game is offensive rebounding. And we <laughs> have to take this as a pair well, well, with it's, the Wisconsin game. It, it's two things, right? It's they do offensive rebound right. and they don't give up offensive rebounds. I mean, so they, you have the best of both worlds. They crushed Michigan State on the offensive boards. I don't know the last time. I could say that. But so Michigan State rebounds 20% of their misses. They get six offensive rebounds. And two of those are team rebounds, which are usually things that just, like, bounce out the wrong way. And then Michigan has 14 offensive rebounds. They rebound 42% of their misses. So they more than doubled up Michigan State in offensive rebounds. And that's probably the main difference in this game. And State isn't small. No, I mean, I mean they play Hauser, who's probably not the best offensive rebounder, but they no. have they have a couple of large fellows underneath. Yeah, but even even after this game, they're fourth in the conference in defensive rebounding. So that's something where you just don't expect that to happen. Especially, I mean, I went on TKA on Thursday, and I used the word pathetic <laughs> for maybe the first time in my life to describe a Michigan. I'm sure I've just used that to describe officiating. Or uh, <laughs> opposing bloggers. But oh. I, I've, I really try to avoid that sort of elevated rhetoric when I'm actually talking about a Michigan team. But I don't think there's any way to describe what happened against Wisconsin as anything other than pathetic. Yeah. Because Wisconsin is something like 350th in offensive rebounding. And those numbers were essentially reversed against that team. And that's why Michigan lost that game. Because they couldn't rebound against a team that... Can't rebound. That can't rebound. So, I, obviously, there was a lot more focus put in. Like, I'm sure they basically did nothing but rebounding drills <laughs> from the minute that game ended to the minute the state game started. I mean, rebounding is a little bit like defense, right? Where it's blocking out and using your, like, inside size, uh, not size advantage, but, like, spatial advantage, and then desire, right? Like, you... you Work I mean, hard to get to the ball, but it, you you technically block a guy out. It's it, like it a, seems, it's like awareness too. Like, well, yeah. I mean, there's uh, and you have to get some luck in some sense. Well, off you're the rim, I mean, you're but, always going to give give up some number of offensive rebounds because there's long rebounds or someone's going to throw an air ball up, and those are always tough to get. Yeah, but just getting a body on someone, putting your butt into someone, backing them out, and right. then like beating them to the ball. Right, and like Doug McDaniel's picking up rebounds in this game, and when that's happening. You know that other people are boxing out. It's the Derek Walton thing. Yeah. Well, Walton was not just a sort of uh, peripheral rebounder. He actually had a real skill in that department. But yeah, McDaniel has four four defensive rebounds. Well, so everyone has a body on someone. He swoops in, grabs the ball, right. and starts you know, the other way. Your your uh, boxing out can only be so bad if your like, 5'10 point guard has a significant number of defensive rebounds. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like if that's happening, something's going right. But you also see Buffkin with three. Jet Howard has three. You know, Joey Baker has four. Like the, th these guys have like very negligible defensive rebound rates. And in this game, they weren't just picking up the occasional board. Like Jet Jet Howard had a mansome rebound in this game. And you know, I think that there's sort of a, I guess, a come to Jesus moment here. Well, it seems like a wake up call in yeah. terms of. Like, oh, I guess we're all going to do it now. Because if it's one or two guys, or it's just, you know, they played Terrace Reed a lot. So, okay, when you have Hunter and Reed in the game, you're going to probably have a size advantage. Yeah. But if it's everybody doing it, then there's clearly a team-wide message was sent. Yeah. And then Reed, uh, 
other than McDaniel, Reed is the story of this game, I think. Because they start off with Cheddar, and Joey Hauser is like, I can dunk this guy into the eat you alive center of the earth and as man when joey hauser's like oh, i can eat this guy alive i'm like oh man <laughs> that's, that's rough and so he's he's going off and you know cheddar misses a couple of threes and whatever and you know well he had a decently offensive and, game didn't he well yeah and then he kind of puts it a little bit together he has a nice spin move which we've seen in earlier games to get to the bucket he really does have a level of offensive skill he hits a three you know but I think it is kind of telling that Cheddar is the only guy without a defensive rebound. Wow. <laughs> and sometimes that's because you're boxing out. Even he stuff. had an offensive rebound. Yeah. But it's just he can give you a little bit offensively going up against starters. Like, I think he has a role on a team where, you know, it's the middle of the half and some backup guys are going in. And there's a guy who just kind of sits on the perimeter and doesn't do a whole lot. Like that's the time to bring Will Cheddar in because he's going to be interesting offensively, and then you can hide him a little bit defensively in those situations. Going up against Hauser, who's probably been Michigan State's best player this year from the drop, is not a good Will Cheddar situation. Yeah, I mean, should they've just started or like put someone else on him, or is that? Yeah, I mean, really yeah, good? I know that they're probably a little concerned about Terrace Reed because. He had four fouls in four minutes in the Nebraska game, I think. I mean, he did also have three fouls last night. And he played 20, what? 24 minutes minutes last night, three fouls. But he goes three of five from two, and he makes a couple of those baskets himself. Like, he's just not, he's not just getting dump downs and getting dunks. He's actually got a modicum of skill getting to the bucket. Two of five from the line. Well, but, all right. I mean, we're you but, kind of but, have to... okay. We're, that's baked it. But here's the rest of it: four offensive rebounds, six defensive rebounds, a turnover, three blocks, two steals, two steals. And this is some John Teske stuff, isn't it? Well, he's he's huge, but he's real switchable. Like he gets put on Hogard, and Hogard's like, uh, I don't know about this, and so he, he goes for a pull up, and I'm like, he can't shoot. Like that's the that's the big flaw in Hogard's game. He's he's a good player, but he's not a shooter, especially not pulling up. And there are multiple times in this game where Michigan State players decide that the you know better course of action against Terrace Reed when they have a mismatch against him mm-hmm. air quotes is to pull up. And a couple of those go down, but the thing is, is that Reed is a fairly decent contest on all of those. Well, he's long. He is long, and he's he's jumping at these guys, and he's got his hand up there, and it's it's a meaningful thing to be able to contest those kind of jumpers when you're six foot ten. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I don't know how you're going to make this work, but it's clear that Terrace Reed needs to be a starter on this team, and this is the second straight year where you're going in and you're starting four, just isn't giving you very much, and so you're like, all right, do we play two centers at the same time? And that really seems to be the answer. But, I mean, I don't know that it matters if you start it this way. But, like, basically you have to look at it and say, okay, you have Hunter and Reed and Cheddar for the four and the five spots, right? And you kind of rotate them through. You can give each one a rest. But then you put Terrace at the five and you move Hunter to the four and have him sit because he can shoot. And, I mean, you can bring him down to the block if you want, but Reed is also okay there. And then you force teams to match up to both of them. And then on the other end, you know, 
you can figure out based on the specific matchup, and then you rotate either Cheddar in, I guess, if you want to go back to T-Will. But Defensively, I mean, Reed is a massive upgrade at the four. Right. From, from I mean, Cheddar, no contest, but even Terrence Williams. Like, Terrence Williams is not going to get a help side block on, I think, Malik Hall. Like, there was, a, in the second half, Malik Hall had a mismatch, was backing a guy down, and everybody in the arena is like, okay, this shot's going up. And Terrace Reed knew it too. And he comes over and he sends that one off the backboard and Michigan gets it back. He recovers it before it goes out of bounds. And that's just, I mean, you can cover up for a lot of sins if you have that guy. Yeah. DJ Wilson. You remember DJ Wilson yeah. is the four? Yeah. Like that was, that was really helpful. Or the one year that state had Jaron Jackson at the four and you're just like, <laughs> oh my God, how do you ever score against this team? <laughs> so... By putting him on the bench for an NCAA tournament. <laughs> uh, yeah. Was it Ben Carter? Yeah, Ben Carter, because he was going to be real good in the middle of the zone. Hey. Um, but yeah, it's uh, he looks really promising. If he can just get to like a not horrible free throw shooter. Well, didn't they back him up? Like he, like they told they, him to. Yeah, to, they told him to back up a step because he kept hitting the back rim. Well, he banked one in in this well, game. So I mean, that's better than. It was online. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the huge flaw in his game. But other than that, you have a switchable center yeah. who can play with Hunter Dickinson. I mean, they had some pretty nice post feeds to each other. He can face wow. up. They're really tall. Yeah, I, and he gives you a much bigger margin for error in terms of I miss a shot or I'm trying to make a pass. Like, you can try to make a pass to Will Cheddar, and you've got to be pretty accurate. Yeah. You want to toss it to Terrace Reed. It's like, well, it's in the area. He'll go get it. And he can jump. And, and Yeah. Like, he's, uh, like, and since Hunter can shoot a little bit, like, I don't even know if the spacing issues are that big of a deal. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah. you could just move him to the, you can move him to the four at times on, on the offensive end. Hunter, meaning. Yeah. I mean, I think you're just going to have to live with the spacing issues such as they are. Yeah. Because... Because what are your other options? I mean, the other, we, we've kind of beat the other ones to death. And, I mean, you do make a good point about the rotation through the four and the five. It's hard to start Terrace Reed because you're going to need to play him whenever Hunter sits, and that's usually about the 12-minute mark in each half. But if he's going to play, you know, X number of minutes a game, I don't know, what do you have, 24? I mean, you want him playing a decent amount of minutes At when those point, minutes 30, are. Yeah. Okay, so if he plays 30 minutes, like, the only issue to me with that is he just, you have to tell him, on defense, and maybe even offense to some extent, but on in defense, you have to be slightly less aggressive because we cannot afford you to be out of the game. Well, I mean, yeah. I know you don't like to take that out of people, especially like when they're really young at this stage. But I mean, otherwise, he's just racking up fouls. I mean, that is the issue. I mean, uh, he had three last night in what twenty four, and he had what, he had that stretch of four in like five minutes the other game. I mean, he's still growing as a player for sure. Yeah, but. I don't know. Maybe he even has a different mindset if yeah, he knows if, 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 if fouls per 40 is 6.4. It seems really high. That's pretty high. But if Juwan pulls him aside and says, look, man, I need you to play 30 minutes and I want you to block shots and I want you to stuff guys and get steals. But I, I also have to be able to keep you on the floor. And when you're constantly in foul trouble, people are going to take advantage of that. Like, Yeah, and that's kind of what you got to tell him. But right. this, I mean, this is the first time in his career he's played more than, well, he had 21 minutes against Iowa, but that's the first 20 minute game of his career other than that. Okay. So, so this was maybe, maybe this was an awakening. Well, they just need, and part of that is because Williams is out. 
But man, at this point, Williams is a well okay defender. He's not an impact guy. And he's shooting 27% from three. So you don't have better spacing when Terrence Williams is on the floor because people are just like, okay, shoot the ball. Well, especially if you move Dickinson out. I'm not sure what he's shooting for three, but I'm guessing it's at least in the 30s. Dickinson is actually really hot from three. So there you go. He's at 41% this year. I mean, so now you actually have some floor spacing with Kobe and Jet. And yeah. so then you might even be able to run some 1-5 with, with Doug and Terrace, and you have actual three shooters. Yeah, and I think it's important that Bufkin's three-point shooting is up to 34%. Well, and it's but it's been on the rise because it yeah, started so bad. Yeah, he's, he's at 38% in Big Ten play. So, like, I think this is more his well, – just everybody who's ever looked at a stroke is like, yeah, he's going to be a shooter. Yeah. And so it's just probably some bad luck early in his career, maybe getting settled in a little bit. But if you have him as a shooter, then, yeah, you, you, you've got basically four guys on the floor – even when Reed's out there, that can can do some things. So it's like 72-72, right, Go, coming down to the last couple of minutes. And then Michigan, or maybe 70-70, something like No, 72-72, and Michigan goes on a 12-0 run to end it, right? I'm pretty sure. What what happened? Like, What do you mean what happened? Well, I mean, like, did they do anything different than they've done in previous games in terms of where they went with the ball? Or, like, I mean, well, Michigan's really... been in these situations for, I mean, what, half of the season? I mean, the, it's really only season. a 6-0 run. Well, there's foul free Cause throws. Because, yeah, they just get sure. some stuff at the end of the game. Where, okay. So they get – I mean, it's just I – mean, Kobe Buff can hit a three. What do you want me to say? And then – oh, and then Dickinson hit another yeah, one and, after that. Yeah, okay. D- Dickinson had an open three that he took, and he hit it. I was like, all right. Okay, so it's just the Make ball shots. went in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, mean – You put yourself in a position here to, to be in this game because of the offensive rebounding, and you put yourself in a position to lose it because your two-point defense is pretty rough – in terms of giving up dunks. Like, they did a pretty good job on Hogard, who's 3 of 11, because they met, they didn't let him get to the rim. And that's his whole game. Yeah. Because he can't shoot, and they they forced a lot of shots from him. So, I don't, I mean, we talk about, like, why did someone win or lose a game? It's usually a combination of a lot of things. And you can overcome certain things if you're a really good team, and Michigan has not been that kind of team. Yeah. Where, let's say... You know, they had Charles Matthews on this team, and it was, a, you know, one of those Yaklich defenses where it's just like, okay, we don't give up anything easy. Then, yeah, you can survive a bad shooting night. But this is not a team that can do that. Yeah. This is a team that needs to shoot 61% from two <laughs> to win a game. I mean, that isn't even that high, is it? I mean, it's high, but it's not like... 61% it's, is pretty, is it really? pretty high. But, yeah. I mean, you usually want to be over 50 at least. You want to be over 50, yeah. Yeah. But... Which the yeah sixty one is 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 pretty high and that's with Dickinson going four ten, so the rest of the team really picked up here. And but you said they doubled him a lot, right? I mean, they did double him a lot, and it's clear that he's frustrated with it. And there's a bunch of like questionable decisions he makes. Like there's three turnovers, he's got three assists, so it's not even like the doubling is really opening up a whole lot. So, hmm. uh, I mean, it feels like it feels like because of Terrence Williams' shooting issues, people just are doubling with impunity because they know that they can leave him open and it's probably not going to hurt them. And before that, you know, last year, the couple, last couple of years, there wasn't really a guy who Michigan was putting out there. That's just like, Oh, we can't let that guy, we can let that guy go. Well, Diabate. Yeah. Diabate, but Diabate is not sitting on the perimeter. So it's kind of like the same thing last year where it became clear that Michigan's best option was playing Diabate at the same time because 
what you don't get in open looks from the perimeter. You're making up with offensive rebounds and the ability yeah. to go yeah. down low. Yep. So I think the ideal offense is probably four ogres. No, four guys around an ogre like uh, – Four <laughs> not four ogres. Four guys around an ogre like, like Matt Painter puts out over you. But if you don't have that, then you know, two ogres and see how it goes. So does this move the needle at all? Like is this a not, – not necessarily like a win in terms of like for seeding, but does it feel good in terms of um, – Well, I mean you beat Michigan State. Yeah, I mean no, – but that's that's an enjoyable night. I'm talking about like does this make you think they can beat Rutgers on Thursday? Does this make you think that they can beat Wisconsin and then maybe go on the road and beat Indiana? Or is this just like a, a one-off? I, I mean the thing that does give you a little bit of hope is that Terrace – as a starter, looks like this is a different basketball team. Because one thing that he—it's he, a weird thing—but one thing he does bring is like he brings the ability to check a six-foot-six perimeter player. Which like, it seems of there are like a lot of in just basketball now. Right, and that's the thing that Michigan has lacked for the last couple of years, ever since Franz and Livers left. I yeah, mean, Isaiah Livers is in the NBA. Yeah, he's not on a good NBA team, but he is playing in the NBA. He's a rotational piece, at least. Yeah, he's a rotational piece in the NBA, and and Franz is a star. I and yeah, and I think we underestimated how good Isaiah Livers was. I mean, I think well, we all, he was very up and down and was injured, and so you never really got long stretches until his senior year, and then he gets hurt at the end. Right, and it, it is you know. Unfortunate, but yeah, I think I, even when he was here, it's not like oh, this guy's a, a linchpin. This guy's a star. He was, and it was for reasons that are subtle. Yeah, like and then Franz is just. I mean, wow. <laughs> he's one of the best players to come. Through. He wasn't even on the all defense team. His second year, they're like, uh, that's that guy is like the defensive player of the, the my B, lifetime, the Beeline era. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of just like, well, he actually never played for Beeline, but. In terms well, of, well, you know what I mean. That in, arc of in terms of Michigan players I've ever since seen Michigan's play. Michigan back to basketball. Like he's the best yeah. defensive player. Yeah, I mean it's been know, a while. You get Charles Matthews and X are up there, I guess. And like you know, Teske kind of fell off late in his career. Didn't it, he? Well, his senior year, yeah. but his junior year was pretty good. Yeah, but Franz was. I mean, Livers was also right there too. I mean, they were both guys that yeah. could switch. I mean, remember the year. I believe it was the year they lost to Texas Tech. It was at Beeline's last year where they basically had six players. And Livers is, like, coming in and, like, switching positions mm-hmm. based on who's on the floor. He just goes anywhere between yeah. the two and the five. Anyway, we're, we've Sorry. digressed. That's yeah. okay. But, I mean, I guess it moves the needle a little bit because it does look like Reed is possibly a game changer just in terms of what kind of what kind of production you're getting out of the four spot. So do you start him against it in the rack? I would. I mean, that's a statement of intent. And then you bring in, you probably shatter it at, pro- at a time at the you know, sixteen minute mark point. for four minutes, so that you can have Reed in when Dickinson goes to the bench. Yeah, um, but yeah, he sh- he should be getting starters minutes at this point. I don't think there's any question about that. And then maybe that changes the trajectory of the season. They do have like if you punch stuff into Torvik, they could still got a shot. I mean, they just have to win a bunch of road games that they haven't yet. <laughs> I think they can drop one of the remaining games and be like right on the bubble when the, well, there's still the big 10 tournament. Yeah. Yeah. So then, I mean, it depends where you fall there, but I mean, there's still like two games out of second place and they have the tiebreaker with the second place team. I mean, the big 10 is weird. I mean, didn't Purdue lose two games this week? It's just odd. It's, it's a, it's a very bad conference. Yeah. And Michigan is part of that, but maybe, 
maybe this maybe one, this rebounding stuff can continue. One more time. We're going right. to try it. We're going to take a break, come back, and briefly discuss the debacle that was the Wisconsin game. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family union, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. Now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley. Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. Hey, so I have like insurance and stuff, but I don't really like know what's going on with it. Yeah, it, your your coverage probably sucks, and you're paying way too much for it. And I know this because I had a guy. Uh, he's a uh, his name's Phil Klein. He's actually a Michigan alum and wrestled for Michigan. He okay. looked at my insurance and he was like, "Yeah, your coverage sucks, and you're paying a lot more than you need to for it." I also like I, I hesitate to even mention this, but I do have my insurance from a company that advertises during college football games. Well, and I wish that was not the case. Well, why don't you just get it from a cool guy who actually like reads them go blog? Well, how would I do that? <laughs> they have a website. They have one of those too. It's philkleininsurance.com. Can you remember the name Phil Klein? Sure. Can you remember insurance? Yes. Okay. Use those two together and you will save money on your insurance and you will actually get better coverage on your home and your auto and they do life too. All right. So you're telling me if I Google Phil Klein insurance, this this website will come up. Yes. Wonders never cease. So many nights I walked alone. The clouds and city lights, they cover up the stars and moon. When I was young, I had my friends. But everyone's grown up, moved on, I'm on my own again Where is my someone? I dream of her nightly I know she's out there somewhere and I hope she dreams of me
I yearn to be away from here In a place where wind's the only noise And the night is cold and clear, so cold and clear Under the night time sky My spirit was as soaring As you put your hand in mine Under the night so this is the stat that, of course, everybody has heard, is that Wisconsin did not get a basket in the last 10.45 of this game. And they still They barely scored. It. And wasn't that the point where Juwan got the technical? Yes. So people are like, oh, he's giving away points, but actually it's he plays good defense. Yeah. <laughs> so do you buy the technical stuff, or is that like... Like, do you think... Like a coach getting worked up and getting a tee to get his team going is a thing? Or no, not really. So in this game, it just was happenstance? I kind of think so, but you know, your mileage may vary here. I mean, you can't really complain about much for Michigan. They hold Wisconsin to 33% from two. They limit their threes. They only get up 18 threes to 48 twos, but then that's, they give up. 15 offensive rebounds to a team that just is, I mean, they don't even try to rebound offensively. They are still, they're the number 349 offensive rebounding team even after that. And uh, the sheer number of shots here uh, does mitigate that somewhat. That's only 34% of Wisconsin misses, but that's still like 10 points higher than their season average. And that's, in a, in a game you lose by five, I mean, that's... Well, and they were, I mean, Michigan, at around that time that we were talking about, about 10 minutes to go, was, I mean, the game was, it felt over because they couldn't score. Yeah. And their couple of Wisconsin guys had hit shots in a row at that point. And so they extended the lead out. And you're like, you know, this was the game also that I think Joey Baker took like a couple of really janky twos and Jet was like forcing a bunch of shots. Jet was like, yeah. what, four of 14, one of six from three. And, you know, you just, you need that third scorer. And Doug, what, had, I think, seven points. He was okay. But, I mean, Bufkin is really the only guy that comes out with, like, a score line that you're kind of like, yeah, we can take that. And, I mean, you score 59 points. Yeah. <laughs> How many games are you going to well, gonna win scoring? And then in this game, too, it's like, okay, Terrace Reed gets 30, 13 minutes. He goes 2 of 4 from the floor, hits a couple free throws. In 13 minutes, he has three offensive rebounds, mm -hmm. four defensive rebounds. He has a block and a steal. Like, <laughs> this guy is filling up the box score whenever he's on the court. He could have had Jace's Howard's nine minutes. Well, I mean, but Cheddar gets 26. And yeah. it's just like, what are we doing here? Like, I mean, it's clear that Terrace Reed is one of the five best players on this basketball team at this point. And I was very frustrated to see the playing time in this game. And the other frustrating thing is that they kept running these curl cuts for, like, easy layups, and they did it, like, 15 times. Well, because the guy was just beating Joey Baker, and then yeah. he, he was beating, I think they had Howard on him. And and, I, despite, and then they shoot 33% from two despite that. <laughs> it's just like So they missed every single shot they took that was, like, not directly at the rim. And you still managed to lose this basketball game. It's just like, and I mean, the calls were questionable. Like you get a guy undercut like that and you get no call. And so you get attack and it's like, that's like a four point swing right there in a five point game. Yeah. And I was completely justified to take that tech. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that, but like, I understand 
Yeah. Because that's a player safety issue. Yeah. And you're playing Wisconsin. Yep. <laughs> I mean, this is there was a re, there was a stretch of years where you were just like counting games when you went to Wisconsin's loss. Now Michigan wasn't best team in the country, obviously, d- during that stretch. But you're just like they don't they don't win there. No. I mean, they didn't they didn't win there for what ten fifteen years up to like twenty thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, and even that was like a complete like oh we won that game. Oh, no, we didn't. Oh, it was the Stauskas yeah. game, but but anyway, the uh, it's just that's what happens when you play in Madison. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, we've seen frustrating losses like this time and again from this team, and they just haven't, they don't have, like, the baseline of this is the good basketball stuff we do, (laughs) if that makes any sense. Well, they don't have, yeah, I mean, they're not like Michigan football, where you know they're going to be able to run the ball, and their offensive line in general is going to be able to move people. This is a team that, like, what do they do well? Well, they have... What do they really hang their hat on? I mean, you'd think it would be working through Dickinson in the post as the first thing that you would do. Yeah. And sometimes that happens, but sometimes he'll take a jumper and he'll miss it. And then you're like, well, that didn't involve anyone else. And then you'll see like Jet get the ball and go take somebody one-on-one. Sometimes he makes it, but it's not like, like when Beeline was setting up offenses, there were things that they were trying to do and shots and people are trying to get open. I'm not saying that they never run that stuff, but it just seems completely could be anything. And it's a lot of one-on-one NBA-type yeah. offense. There's a lot more ISO stuff. and But that wasn't even the case early in Harbaugh's, not Harbaugh. Howard's. Howard's tenure. Like, yeah. we were talking about Spain ball screens and all this stuff and talking about how he's got this really sophisticated Double offense. Double horns. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and right now, it just kind of feels like the guys who he's asking to run it just either don't want to or can't. And... <laughs> that seems. I mean, I know you're playing a bunch of young players. I mean, yeah, true freshmen that you've got two of them in the starting lineup. One's your point guard. Like, how many shots is Doug generating for other guys by getting penetration at this point? Yeah, very little. Not that many. Yeah. So that's going to be something he has to work on in the off season. And then, you know, Jets NBA style player. So he's really good at those tough shots, but settles for him too much. Yeah. And then, I mean, they've been playing. I mean, T. Will doesn't do a whole lot in that department and Cheddar's basically a freshman. I mean, he's redshirted, but I mean, how many games does he play this year? Like five or 10? Right. Yeah. He's so you don't have a bunch of experience. So it kind of makes sense, but it also seems to say, okay, well, who's the one guy that's been really successful at one thing that he does basically for the last three years. Why don't we just start there all the time? Well, we've talked about this on this podcast over and over again, where it just doesn't seem like he's fully committed this year and I know that's sort of insulting to say but there's a drop off there and he's frustrated because he gets doubled so much and you also look around and you look at kind of probably put yourself in his shoes and you look at some of the other things that are going on in this team in in terms of like you know guys going one-on-one all the time or a point guard that can't get them the ball and that kind of stuff and you can see where a guy would be frustrated I'm not saying that you should it's okay to give that level of effort or whatever but I mean You've been involved in things in your life where you look around and you see other people are doing their own thing and you're like, okay, yeah, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Yeah, that's kind of where it is. So so they got a shot, but uh, still pretty dim chances here. Yeah, if you want to go back and rewatch a game, this one would not be the one to do. <laughs> All right. Take a break. Come back and discuss a disappointing hockey weekend. 
Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. Passion for e-commerce. Sell stuff online. Security. Performance. Conversion. Beautiful user experiences. Bella experience. Utilizador. Monthly marketing. PPC SEO. Make your user a customer. Conversion. Audio perfume for online retailers. Love your website. Let human elements show you how. Available at human-element.com and find department stores, not find department stores. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924-9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. around in the muck and 
right, so Michigan takes one out of six points from Ohio State. And at this point, like last year, I was like, okay, Notre Dame is the bogey team that Michigan can't seem to solve. And this last year. Last year, every year. Well. <laughs> Mel was 3-9 and nine against him in his career. Well, Ohio State is, is that team this year. So you remember the 2017-18 team that actually went to the Frozen Four, kind of had a nice second half run. Michigan went 0-5 against Ohio State that year, and it was like the same thing. It was the great penalty kill, and they just they had a good goalie, and they just Michigan could not solve them. And they got swept at Yost, they got swept down in Columbus, and they took it to overtime in the Big Ten semifinal, but gave up a goal pretty quickly. And that's why when they're playing in the net, uh, in the Frozen Four. Ohio State's playing Duluth in the other game, and I'm kind of like, Duluth's probably a better team, but I don't think I want to play Ohio State because the matchup just sucks. No, and there's one forecheck that happened, I believe, in the Thursday game that I was just like, geez. So Michigan's got the puck behind their net, and the two Ohio State defensemen are basically just outside the Michigan blue line. The three forwards are inside the zone, and Michigan's able to get it out uh, just inside the blue line on a, a pretty good pass. But then that guy has no puck support, and the defenseman comes up. And I was just like, that's one of the most aggressive forechecks I've ever seen. Yeah. And there's the, that horrible game Michigan has at Yost where it's 35-7 to seven and shots like halfway through the game. Yeah. And the Thursday game wasn't that lopsided. Uh, it was close. But, <laughs> yeah. After two, it was 25-8. to eight, Yeah. And Michigan had three goals on their eight shots. Well, they, I mean, and then they, like, rang the post twice on – in the outdoor game real early. And, yeah. And then you have, you know, I think it's... So I thought that the the first 35 minutes or so of the outdoor game, they were maybe the better team. They gave up a goal um, on a two-on-one that maybe Portillo wants back. I couldn't see the, the a great angle on it if it went five-hole, if it went far side. You know, they had a poor pinch from Luca on that play that led to it. But other than that, I mean... It was Michigan was creating the same number of chances, but Dobish was just one big like Velcro wall. He wasn't giving up any rebounds. Yeah. He was making really good saves. He was always in good position. And like you said, they hit the post early, and then McGrory misses the net. Oh, on the slot on the, yeah. on the <sighs> power play yeah. chance, and you're just like, God, like those need to go in because the thing about outdoor games is you usually don't get a lot of great chances. Yeah. Like the ice just sucks the longer you're well, there. Well, they have the they have the the stoppage halfway through the second and then they decide well, to like take five the, minutes yeah well and then they decide to take the period break to fix oh the yeah ice. yeah so <clears throat> i mean outdoor games maybe don't fit michigan's style that well no but but yeah. i think Ohio, there is something to i think that michigan has more talent and more players from these teams are going to play in the nhl but i think ohio state is probably you know, it's tough to say because, like, Luke Hughes was missing Saturday. And he is well, he was such also a big missing part in the trust second God. half of the right. Thursday game. But too. I think Ohio State might just be a little bit better of a team. Like, when you look around, they are more versatile. Or or maybe they're not a better team, but they're a better matchup. Well, I mean... Because, th- I mean, they they pushed Michigan around one time totally at Yost. Yeah. They totally pushed them around at the Schottenheim or Schottenstein. Well, I don't know. Value City sure, Arena. In Columbus. And then the second half of this game, you know, they held it together, and Michigan kind of came apart. Their defense kind of faltered. Portillo was iffy. And... Uh, well, once Portillo goes down, it's just like, well, he's down. Yeah. I mean, how many goals have opponents scored where it's like 
too Port- many. Portillo's just on the ground. It's just like, dude, get up. Like, I think at this point, it's clear that he's kind of just the guy. Well, like his safe I percentage think, is like nine so seven or something. I just wonder. I would like to know the inside story of what what happened between last year and this year. Well, what happened with the goalie coach this year? Well, they don't have one this year. Well, yeah, I know. Right. So well, that's a. Well, Michigan had a pretty interesting off season. So, <laughs> yeah. um, that's you know that's that's a discussion for another day. But, um, I, you know, the Hughes and Truscott being out is one thing because you lose basically your top pair. Mm-hmm. And you take the top pair off of any good hockey team at any level, and yeah. it changes a lot of things, especially well, in against, a good, good especially team. Especially against Ohio State that is so heavy on the forecheck. Right. But the other thing that it – so you lose that. But then it also puts people like Holtz and Luca Fantilli into positions where they're going to play top four minutes. And, you know, they're prob- I think Luca will be a, real, a good player at Michigan eventually – Holtz is not a puck mover. He's a big guy. But now they have to play in situations that are not going to be, you know, conducive to them. And, and Casey's probably not ready to be a top pair defenseman yet. And and Edwards is very up and down. You see moments that you really like from him. You see moments you really don't. And so those guys are playing against a really disciplined team. You mentioned the forechecking and all of that. But Michigan gave up six odd man rushes yesterday. Yeah. Ohio State gave up zero. I mean, that should just sort of tell you from well, a structural standpoint. And then... And these guys have personal. talent. This isn't like a Notre Dame team where right. they score like two goals right. a game. Yeah. Like, Lori can play. Trelor can play. Well, they also have a couple... Like, isn't Wise and... He scored a goal and um, um, the... Uh, oh, my goodness. I can't think of his name. But uh, Tate Singleton. Singleton, yeah. Both are seniors. Michigan has no seniors. You know, they had their seniors last year on their fourth line. Yeah. Now they have Nolan Moyle and they have Keaton Pearson. I got it. Well, I think um, he's a defenseman. Oh, you mean in terms of who's a senior? Who's right. a senior? Yeah. And that's just sort of what you got this year. Now, if a bunch of these dudes come back next year and all of a sudden the draft picks return like Minnesota got this year, mm-hmm. you could see that. But you know, right now well, there, there, there is the experience. There was definitely a cycle, like the last two years, right? Yeah, where they have the Beniers, Powers, you know. Brisson. Well, they also had Blankenberg. Bortolo class. Yeah. And their first year, it's like, okay, these guys are pretty good, but they're a little bit ragged. And then they were just murdering everybody in year two. Yeah. So if they can get some guys back next year. Especially depth guys. I think that's a big deal. I think that, like I said, you you see Minnesota and Ohio State turning guys into third and fourth year players who yeah. are either drafted or pretty good players. And when Mi- Michigan needs to do that, and they've done that in the past, Pasyov. I mean, he was a wonderful player on like a second or third line that scored goals and, and played on the penalty kill. And like Michigan doesn't have that kind of a presence this year that has played that many games. Well, they also got absolutely destroyed on face-offs. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's debate in hockey circles about what they matter. I, and, you know, it's sort of like they matter well, I think, until they, or they don't matter until they do type well, of a thing. I think what we're talking about here is like, okay, is it a big deal to be, you know, the bad part of a 55-45 face-off split. And it's probably, because that's, that's usually the range you get in the NHL. Yeah, yeah. This, this one was like 70-30. Yeah, that's, that's probably sub, not ideal. Right. So, I mean, it, it's weird because you watch Ohio State play and you're like, this is a super disciplined hockey team. Yeah. They have a decent amount of talent. They seem like they're a good program. And then you look at uh, well, Rolex, uh, winning percentage like 55% over his career. 
He's been there for 10 years. Well, you know, the last couple of years, they've they've been a little bit rougher. I mean, they were, you know, not they had Dobish last year that kind of sort of kept them afloat. And two years ago, they weren't very good. And, right. you know, Michigan kind of caved them in. But um, And I know, like, we kind of beat this to death a little bit. But, like, it was, there were 13 power plays in yesterday's game. And a special teams game was always going to be to Ohio State's advantage because their penalty kill is absurd. And we, we saw how good it is. It's not really a fluke. Michigan went 0 of 12 on the weekend. And they have a good... The stat that just jumped off the page to me. They've given up 13 power play goals this year. With their goal on Saturday, they have 10 shorthanded goals. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, it's probably um, a little fluky. It's definitely fluky, <laughs> but it's insane. Right. They could have they could have five shorthanded goals and but, being minus eight on a penalty kill for a season. That's insane. But my point is more like, for whatever reason, Michigan games and a lot of times other Big Ten games, they become penalty fests. And so you can sit there and say, oh, well, this team takes penalties or, you know, we're calling them by the rules or whatever. Well, when that happens, it changes how a hockey game is played because there isn't flow. You don't get guys that are constantly in like the same rhythm of changes and playing on lines because you're, well, okay, PK unit two is out. Okay, now we're going back to the power play of this unit. And then so guys are always all over the place. You don't really get a flow of a hockey game. It's just kind of these jumps and starts. And um, Ohio State is really good on the penalty kill, and their power play is, is not bad too. And their goalie played really well. Like when you get that kind of game and your, your goalie's playing at that level, like, you know, Michigan – couldn't hit the post. Fantilli had to put that one in, and Rigordi had to hit the open net, and maybe they have a shot. But that's just sort of like the way that it, it goes when you get that game against that team. Like, you know, I, I this was one of the hot takes that I discarded, but I was going to say, like, I'd rather play Minnesota than Ohio <laughs> State. Um, I mean, I know they have a lot of talent, but we've seen them play against yeah. them, and you can play a close up-and-down game. Yeah, but I, I don't want to play that team anymore. No. And they there's there's a lot of penalties. There There's a lot of, like, it's a lot of Michigan State-ness to them where there's a lot of post-whistle stuff. And, you know, Minnesota, that doesn't happen quite as much. I mean, there's some of it, but that's not their game either. And Michigan just doesn't, at this point in their careers and, and in their program's history, they don't do well in these extracurricular activity games where you get a lot of this push around stuff that's not where their strength is they want to be at five on five because you play in a five on five with them and especially uh, full strength well when are they i mean are they ever going to be full strength like they get casey well, back this weekend and then Hughes goes out and it's like jesus yeah um i i heard it was sort of like a re-aggravation of something and um so I don't know. All right. So what's the situation but, going into the last weekend? Okay. So the other thing is is, is um, Steve King posted a comment on the breakdown I wrote yesterday. And he said that for pairwise, everything basically stayed the same because the teams behind Michigan all had similar weekends to Michigan. Penn State, BU, St. Cloud, all those kind of grouping teams that are right below them. So there, nothing really happened there. In terms of the standings, Minnesota's won the conference. That became official on Thursday when Michigan dropped a point. Ohio State closed their five-point gap, so now they're dead even with Ohio State. Michigan, Ohio State and Michigan have the same number of points, but Michigan lost the season tiebreaker. Right. So they need to finish with more points than Ohio State to get the two seed. But Minnesota, they have Minnesota this They week. go to Minnesota, a team that's already clinched, but they're still playing for their one seed. Yeah. Michigan well, they're playing hosts, for the one overall, so they get the Atlantic hockey team. So those, they're going to be locked in. 
they'll probably get it. I mean, they would have to bomb out hard, I think. Well, but, but you know. still. Michigan hosts Notre Dame, who we've talked about their poor play against Notre Dame, but this isn't your typical Notre Dame team of the past. And, I mean, we watched them earlier this year. Michigan took them apart in one game, had a two-goal lead, and then kind of frittered it away and couldn't get a goal late. This is a team that I think Michigan matches up decently well against, assuming they have players. Yeah. Um, they're going – Wisconsin's been eliminated. Michigan State may – it might be one point or something Michigan might need on the weekend. And Penn State's like one point and one point in Notre Dame. They might have actually eliminated Ohio State. So – or not Ohio State, Michigan State. So they're they're pretty much – unless so they get just swept. outpace – Ohio State. Right. For unless second. unless they get swept, they're going to finish third at the worst. Okay. So they'll get... All right. Yeah. So a lot to play for this weekend. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, I would. it would be great to get that too because if you do host... I'd rather host Ohio State than go there. I'll tell you that. Yeah. That's true. All right. We're going to take a break. Come back with a gimmicky top five. This is Matt Demrest, the owner of Homeshare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use Homeshare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. Loan. Brian used them, and you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com. That's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E lending.com slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me. Kind of an annual tradition. Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, Equal Housing Lender. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734 
7349493 that's 7349493 Hockey watch along that that was fun. Surprisingly well received. I got a text on Thursday that said, "I'm bummed there's no watch along. Now I have to listen to Al Randall." <laughs> uh, let's not slander Al Randall. I'm not. I mean, it wasn't a negative thing. Okay, so he said, "Well, now I will listen to Al." Randall. Okay, I apologize, Al. It, I, I took that out of context. So sorry, yeah, Al. sorry. Don't be mean to me. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I sat next to Alejandro in the press box yesterday and he was chatting me up about hockey and stuff. And he get, he's like, yeah, I watched your watch along and I thought it was great. Like, it was, you know, I was sitting there watching the game at home and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I can listen to what these guys are saying as I go along with it. So well, maybe we're helping even other m- members of the Michigan media. <laughs> but there was a request to do this for a football game. I don't think we're ever going to do it for a football game. And to justify this decision, we have launched a gimmicky top five of why we will never do a watch along for a football game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I forget what the what did I actually things that could go wrong, reasons why you don't. Yeah, that kind of thing. All right. Well, yeah. So we'll see how this goes. Dave, you're number five. Craig gets fired for incessantly blaming Cleet Blakeman and then loses his massive television because Brian picks up the board and decides to throw it at it due to a lack of QB run game. <laughs> That's very specific. How, how could I fire Craig? He doesn't work for me. You won't allow him on MGO things anymore. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll. Which to him, he would feel fired and be very sad. Whenever I try to pay Craig, he just writes me a check for the same amount of money I paid him. That's great that he's still writing checks. Well, he's, he's, he's Craig. <laughs> he is Craig. My number five is I may reveal my true opinion of Josh Gaddis. <laughs> I may accidentally <laughs> spill my beans and, <laughs> and like be like, Josh Gaddis, I didn't really think he was really all that. And people will be like, oh, no. Because that's a big kept secret yeah. in the MGO world is that no one knows what you or anyone else around here thinks I had of to, Josh Gaddis. <laughs> I I wrote when I wrote the season preview this year. When I got to like the five questions section, I was like trying to write about like what Josh Gaddis's departure meant. For a really long time in there, I had I had a sentence that he was a messy bitch. <laughs> I, had to, I took it out. I was like, <laughs> he's just messy. But now I feel I can like say it out loud. Well. Now we can do the watch along because uh, you've already <laughs> oh, I... let the cat out of the bag, Brian. <laughs> So yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I still got four reasons left. Uh-oh. Dave, number four. 
Uh, David gets fired for trying to calm everyone down after no one can agree as to why there isn't any pass rush. Okay. This is all, you so, just think everybody's getting fired. Uh, yeah, this is pretty much a list of how everyone gets fired. Okay. Well, am I getting fired? Well, we'll have to We'll wind. have to see. <laughs> all right. Uh, my number four is the minute of fuck. <laughs> so is this when you go to a place in your life and you just say daddy's favorite sports word? Uh, yes. This happened uh, after the fumble at the goal line against TCU. Oh, when they brought in Mulling. Yeah, and I was just, uh, I just couldn't say anything except fuck for like a solid minute. Now, Which was it, doesn't, I don't was want... it like Peyton Manning trying to call timeouts or he's just going over and over and over and no, over again? No, no, it was like there, there'd okay. be like a pause for 10 seconds and then I would like say fuck. Okay, so it wasn't machine gun F-bombs? Well, it was... It was like we, a, a sing-along. It was different. like short controlled bursts, you know? It's like, wow, well, you want to use an M16. Okay. Okay. Short controlled bursts. But like that, I mean, I can tell people about that after it happens. So if you but can... to, to, like, to, to like witness that live, I feel like would impinge on my credibility. Uh, but if you can repeatedly <clears throat> say that on a podcast... Why can you not do that on a watch along? Well, it's just like now I'm describing behavior. I'm I'm in a jovial mood. Okay. I'm not, you know, out of my mind and I like th- that doesn't happen often anymore. I mean, it, sports bring that out of people. But like I just I don't want, you know, people to be like, "Oh yeah, that's that's he's doing that." Yeah, that it's probably better to not have that kind of stuff on tape. Yeah. Dave, you're number 3. Uh Alex gets fired for being too logical when it's time to be emotional. <laughs> he really is like our, uh, like if we're a Star Trek series, he's our Vulcan or he's like Odo. There's always like a, a rational person who doesn't have emotions on every Star Trek. I mean, series. I've done a pretty good job, I think, in the last few years. I've had to do this with hockey a lot because you sit in a press box and all that. And I mean, I have for football, too, but um, of trying to calmly, rationally understand what's going on in the game and like think through it because otherwise if I don't then like you can feel your blood pressure rising and then you just say and do things I mean like that's you know, right, like, like a fan exactly yeah, yeah. and but even then like there are times when I have to rein it in or just be like whatever and Alex just always seems like oh well that happened because this did and well that sucks well that's why he you know he's coined his phrase that I think he's a little iffy on or doesn't I don't know. I he, thought it was just feels, bad. Right. But I, I try to tee him up for it. And he's like, I'm not going to say that. And I'm like, why? This is great. Everyone loves it. And so now I just use it for him. I'm like, Alex, <laughs> is this bad? And he'll just say bad when something bad happens, which is perfect. You guys, you're like the the Bart Simpson meme where it's like you say the thing, Bart. <laughs> say it. Say it. Say, say it. it. I'll just do that to him. Now. <clears throat> All right. My number three is spot UFR could be embarrassing. Spot UFR. So I'm watching the game. There's a watch along. Yeah. And I'm like, people are going to be like, oh, what happened on that play? I'm going to be like, oh, I think this happened. And Um, then that's going to be wrong. But don't we tweet those things? I mean, we tweet those things occasionally, but like there's, there's like a pressure. Nobody's like, oh, Brian's got to tweet about this particular play. But if it's a watch along, it's going to be like, all right, so uh, that was bad. (laughs) And this is why I think that happened. And then it'll be like, no, that's not it at all. But isn't that part of the discussion though? Is like, you're going to be like, well, I think that, you know, Keegan didn't get all the way around and Craig is going to be like, well, yeah, he did. He kind of got the edge and then the other guy did this. And then, I mean, that's part of the whole thing about it. I don't know. I I kind of feel like I do, I do this in my mind. 
Like I'm what? always like, all right, that's a plus two. That's a plus, that's a nine, minus one, and then I go back and I do it. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that wasn't really what I thought. Didn't it was. you tell me one time when you were walking to games and you'd watch like fathers and sons playing catch with a football? You'd grade catches. No, <laughs> if I said that, it was a joke. <laughs> I'm just going back to believing that you do that. Okay, Dave, you're number two. Uh, Seth gets fired for getting into the weeds and properly explaining Junior Colson's fifth straight vision quest, but everyone else is tired of hearing about it. Yeah, that sounds about right. My number two is straight to jail, which is where I might go after some sort of officiating mishap. Are, are you previewing, previewing my you're number no, one? No, but, but like, you know, there's certain things you're not allowed to say. Uh, can you say things and be sent to jail? Yeah. You can be sent to jail for just auto... I guess you can threaten someone. Right, yeah. Like, I'm going to cut that guy's balls off. You're not allowed to say that. Wow. <laughs> That's specific. <laughs> I wouldn't well, do now, that. Which guy? Is it like someone in the room? No. It, oh. It'd be like the side judge or something. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've probably tweeted that. No, I don't. I like, I, I, I'm trying to like, you know, keep it level. On, yeah, I'll keep it on the level. Yeah, okay. That's yeah, but a good it's idea. difficult sometimes. It very <laughs> like I said, you know, Colin Coward had a had a um really funny thing about uh really smart guys get I'm trying to remember what it was. He he said there are two things that really can screw up really smart guys and that's beautiful women in sports. And I was just like, oh, it's kind of interesting. Like yeah. You get people that know stuff. You give them a beautiful woman. They don't know what to do. And then you or you put them in an arena where they care about a sports team and they lose their head. It was funny. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Dave, you're number one. All right, here we go. MGO ceases to exist due to the cops being called, and everyone receives jail time after, a, after there is an MGO brawl in the garage because everyone is out of patience with each other as Michigan has the unluckiest game of all time against Maryland. <laughs> all right. My number one is Rutgers. Because if now you look... that's the team that we could do it against. I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Okay. Is like so. We're not going to do it for Ohio State. Whoa. Then we're not going to do it for Michigan State. <laughs> we're not going to do it for like a non-conference game against East Carolina. Well, we go to these games, right? We're not going to do it for any home games. Correct. So you're so, limited. So on... you're limited to a road game. Yeah. It's probably going to be, you know, a Big Ten East team because we play those teams well, most often. We played Indiana, and, and there were some things that happened in right. The so Indiana so game our choices e are either to. Do it against Maryland, maybe Northwestern. Northwestern, but or like or like do a watch along where it's like Indiana or Rutgers or Maryland, where the two options are: this is a very boring walkover, or oh my god, we're in a game with this team. Yeah. So so it's like it's like hosting the the original Appalachian State game where there are no good <laughs> outcomes, right? Right. Like there's just there you can win by fifty and you're like hooray. Also, if we do a watch along for Rutgers. That will be cited as evidence that we're a real rival of Rutgers. Well, and we'd have to, we'd have to fly in Brian Mack, right? Uh, I mean, he would just sit in the corner and spout off Rutgers knowledge. Yeah. I don't know if he'd be on the watch along, but he would have a mic hooked up so that he could just keep saying things. About the birthplace of college football. Well, then he'd get in a fight with Craig because Craig doesn't believe that. <laughs> we and then they're all bad ideas. And then we would get back to my brawl thing. Yeah, your brawl thing. Yeah. So anyway, it's probably, football watch along probably not happening. May, maybe basketball, maybe a hockey one. If if hockey in the Big Ten tournament, if they have a road game, we might be able to do that. But uh, probably not a football game. Probably not.
Thank you for listening to the MGO Podcast. For Brian Cook, I'm David Nasternak. If you've made it this far, now you'll understand how MGO could cease to exist one day. Thank you.